0: There's a statement I have said, and I've heard several times, and that is what you believe will impact how you behave. What you believe will impact how you behave, or what you say you believe will almost always determine the way you behave. There's some things that we believe, but that don't always sink into our heart and our soul and how we live. That, uh, that, that there's things I know that I should be doing that is good for me to do, but I don't always do it doesn't impact how I behave. And sometimes it's not even our fault. Sometimes it's not our fault that we say we believe something, but we behave differently. So this series we've been looking at, this half-truth series, we're looking at some statements. Um, some statements that have been told to you, that you've heard uh, maybe over and over. Maybe you just say to yourself, um, and you have believed them, And it's impacted how you have behaved or how you have seen God or how you have communicated to others about God. So a few weeks ago, we looked at this idea that God will give you more than you can handle. And we said, well, that's not really completely true for a couple of reasons. Maybe it's not God up there giving us all these bad things, just waiting for you to cry out, uncle, or to say, okay, that's enough. And then he'll stop. And if we're honest, many of us have been at a place where we are completely overwhelmed. There has been too much that has been given to us, that that we can't handle it on our own. We talked about relying on the presence of God and even one another in those difficult times. Last week, we looked at the statement that God helps those who help themselves, and I hope you heard me say that that really is completely opposite of who God is. That if you read the scriptures, that you can't help but see that God really helps those who are unable to help themselves. That he is a father to the father that he cares for and takes care of the widow. Two, two groups that just represented groups of people who just couldn't take care of themselves, who could not help themselves. And God always was speaking on their behalf. And not only was God speaking on their behalf, but he was asking his followers to do the same. That not only does God help those who help them that don't, uh, are unable to help themselves, but he calls us to be looking for that as well. And as followers of Jesus, we are a voice for those people that we help make sure that they are empowered and they have the ability to do that. Uh, next week, we're, we're gonna look at one of those that I've heard a whole lot, um, and it, it's one of those that often is told in really, really difficult times. And it's one of those that tries to bring comfort to people, but, but I would argue that it's not really true, and that's this idea that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. So we'll look at that one next week. I hope that you'll, you'll come back. But people have told us these things, right? Uh, you have believed them, and they've impacted how you have behaved. And they seem to be true, but many of these are just really a distortion of the truth. right? We look at maybe there is a little bit of truth to them, but they've got distorted or changed enough that they've become really untrue. And this week's Half Truth is really a distortion of the truth. Um, it's not really the reality uh, that that we know of. Uh, this, this last week, um, there was a moment in my life where I was trying to get rid of wasps. Um, I've had several encounters with wasps and bees. And so there's this moment where I'm, I'm overwhelmed and there's wasps everywhere. And then I hear my wife say, Kyle, what are you doing? And in that moment, I realize that I'm sitting up in my bed trying to catch wasps. And I lay back down and don't think much about it. I didn't even answer her. I think I was so confused. A few moments later, I don't know if you ever had those dreams where you wake up, but then you go back and you're right in the middle of it uh, again. And it was so real, right? I mean, I'm literally in bed, like, looking for these wasps and trying to get And I do it again. And and I was like, what are you doing? And I think in that moment, I say, I feel like I'm catching wasps, right? And it was, I I could have believed 100% that it was true. I mean, it was so real. So real. But it was, couldn't be farther from the truth. This week, we are going to look at something that I think we have often told ourselves, uh, and it's not really true, and it is a distortion of even who God is. And I told you week one um, that that there is this idea that maybe you'll get defensive as you hear some of these things. You've heard it so much. You you might feel the need to be defensive and think, I've always seen that as true, and it's hard for me to see it as different or frustrated or confused, Uh, But in all of this, there's been two things really that I've hoped would happen. Uh, One is that you would actually feel free. That there'd be a freedom that would come in because you would get a clearer picture of who God is. And and that's the other one is that you would see the character of God. And so this week's half-truth is this, that God wants you to be happy. That God wants you to be happy. That above all else, his happiness is key. Uh, I think we often tell ourselves this. And we tell ourselves this for a couple reasons, and I'll I'll get there. But one of the reasons I think this happens is sometimes because of where we live. I believe that Western Christianity is quite different than Christianity in other parts of the world. That I would guess that in other parts of the world, uh, they don't necessarily see happiness as something that is directly correlated with God. That suffering and hardship, those things are every and and that happens in our lives as well I'm not saying that but in some places in our world it is an everyday thing that just waking up and 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 fearing for your children's death because of disease that we don't worry about right so I, I feel like for many of us this idea of Western Christianity often gives us this picture of who God is that God really is just wanting us to be happy that we have this idea that well only good, will happen, that dreams come true, that maybe there'll be no bad days if I follow Jesus, that if I'm a Christian, that really when I take that step and begin to believe that I'll be happy. And like always, we can find a little bit of truth in the scriptures. And in, in this one, Psalm ninety-seven, twelve. Uh, this is going to be in a different version, uh, the Living Bible. This won't be the, the Bible in front of you. I like the language that this uses because it uses um, the word happy. It says, may all who are godly be happy. That if you're godly, that you will be happy. So we, we see that, but see, what you'll see in the end is there's a distortion of the truth. So here's a few mistakes that we make. The first one is this, that if I'm happy, that it must be right and good. If I do something and if it makes me happy, then what's wrong with it, right? And then it, it it's only wrong that if it makes me unhappy, that if it's not good and and, and i feel like in our world, that this is one of the the dangers, one of the dangers that we run into when we think about faith and we think about God. We we believe in God, but it doesn't always impact how we behave. We sometimes separate the two and we think, all right, well, God uh, cares about me and he wants me to be happy. And so if he wants me to be happy and there's something that makes me happy, well, then I might as well do it. The other mistake is that we can begin to believe that some sort of discomfort or risk, unanswered prayers, delay in getting something that we want or obstacles have no place in our life as followers of Jesus. That I just I just want to be honest and let you know that as followers of Jesus, you will still have difficult times. There will still be obstacles in your life. There will still be risks that God asks you to take. There will be Things that God demands of you that you would say, ah, that's not going to necessarily make me happy, but I know it's what God may be asking me to do. The other mistake is we begin to worship false gods. So if we think happiness is what God is mostly after in our lives, then there's these false gods that we begin to worship. And one of those is comfort. It's comfort. If it makes me comfortable or if it doesn't make me comfortable, then there's no way that's something I should be doing. Or self-satisfaction. Well, does it fulfill me? Does it give something to my life? My happiness is key to what is most important. So as we think about stuff, we begin to worship the false God of things. Or the last one is, is it pleasurable? Does it bring gratification? And and if it does, then obviously it must be good. And these things make us happy. But ultimately, we'll begin to see that actually we we think that, that God exists to serve us, right? That God out there, up there, wherever God is, his main priority is to serve us. When the truth is, it is our response to serve him. I think we get this picture of God sometime, like he's this cosmic vending machine right and uh, one of, one of my things when we're in hotels often you, you hit the vending machine and you, with the the kids and you, you stand at the glass and, and you look and see what you want and you you put your money in and you push the right buttons and if you push the wrong buttons the wrong thing comes out but you you push the right buttons and the right thing comes out and then every once in a while that thing happens you know the thing that I'm I'm talking about where you can see that it's kind of too far behind the little turny thing and it doesn't come out and it gets Hung. And so then you have to beat on it or shake. So I hear that you beat on them or shake, shake them to get it out. But, but here's the thing. When it's a vending machine, there is this idea that I pay my money, I push my buttons, and I get something. I do my part. The vending machine does its part or it's supposed to. And I reap a reward. Sometimes I think that's how we view God. We see him as the cosmic vending machine where I do my part. God is supposed to do his part, and then I get what I want. But that isn't always the truth. This isn't the real picture of who God is. But I feel like this is how we approach God. Again, I do my part. Now, my part could be a lot of things. It could be I pray, I read my Bible, I show up to church, I do more good things than Bad things, I do my part, and then there's something that I need. Okay, God, I need this from you. I need you to do this. Remember, I, I pushed the buttons. I did what I needed to do. And so there is this expectation, well, then God will obviously do what I want him to do. And then we wait. We wait for the reward, or we wait for the answered prayer. We wait for that thing, and it doesn't always come. And the reason it doesn't always come is because God is not a cosmic vending machine who is just waiting for us to do the right thing, and then he'll make us happy. And so when things don't go right, when we get sick, when we lose our job, when we miss out on that car that we thought was going to be ours and we had prayed for, the the girl says no when we knew she was going to say yes, we begin to question, well, what have I done? Did I, did I push the wrong buttons? Is it hanging up somewhere? And... And maybe later I'll eventually get it. I do my part. Well, God is supposed to do his part. And then I'll be happy. And so here's what I see happen as a pastor. I have people who come and they attempt religion, their language. Yeah, I I tried religion. I I tried church. Uh, Life was bad. I came to church and life didn't all of a sudden become better. It didn't make me happy immediately. I, I hear these things. These are conversations that I've had with people. I tried. I pushed the buttons, and what I wanted didn't happen. And so God has failed me, right? And and maybe you've experienced that in your own life. If you have thought that the key was that God would make you happy, and when he didn't, you then begin to question your own actions, and you wonder, well, where is God in the midst of all of this? And so people walk away from God based on their feelings. But I think the picture that is painted of this cosmic vending machine, this this God that is just waiting for us to do the right thing and then he'll make us happy has failed, not God. And so uh, maybe God isn't so interested in making us just happy how we want to be happy. Maybe there's something else that is is happening. Maybe something God is after. Now, what I don't want you to believe is that we have this angry God in heaven uh, who doesn't care about you being happy. Uh, if we have this picture of God as being a good father, well, good fathers enjoy when their kids are happy. I mean, I love coaching my kids sports and this baseball season uh, just just wrapped up not too long ago for us. There, there was this joy that I had, this happiness that I had when Cade, my eight-year-old, would succeed, right? And he, he gets the hit and he ends up on base and there's this smile and this joy that Cade has. I'm not going to say, no, Cade, don't be happy about that. Right? Don't, don't, there should be no happiness, right? I, I love when my son is happy. I love when my daughter is happy. As a good father, I find joy and delight when my kids are happy. I want them to be happy. However, their happiness really isn't the most important thing to me. Right? And, and we see this. You see too many videos of parents fighting at games, And almost always that comes because something didn't work out. And because something didn't work out, well, then their kids are not going to be happy. Right? And so there's this fighting, whether it was a call or another parent says something. Parents, our key and our hope for our kids is not simply their happiness. The moment my son acts disrespectful during the game. That the moment my son hits the triple and he he talks disrespectful to the other team or he boasts I don't care how happy my son is. It, it won't be allowed because there's something more and bigger that I'm after and care about with my son or my daughter than just them simply being happy. And so I, I think sometimes our happiness and what's best are in direct competition. Let me say that again. Sometimes what we think will make us happy and what is best for us are in direct competition with one another. And it's natural. It's natural that we will run after what we believe will make us happy. So, can I just tell you, I don't think it's really happiness that you're after. I don't think happiness is simply the key that will fix all of your life's problems. I don't think it's what we're longing for, but what I think we're longing for, honestly, is God and God's presence in our lives. And now, there's no big surprise that I would say that, right? I'm a pastor and I'm standing on a stage and preaching, but I've experienced that for myself. And I want to share just a, a couple of things um, with you. I want to read Mark 10, 17 through 22. Mark 10, 17 through 22. If you don't own a Bible, I would encourage you, there's a red Bible around you. Please take that. That's our gift um, to you. That's our gift. Uh, and we'd love for you to take that. Mark 10, Verse 17 it says this. And if you, uh, maybe in your Bible, there's a, a heading above it, and it says, The Rich Young Man. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Right there, there is this act of submission and worship. This rich young man comes up and recognizes who Jesus is. He's heard about Jesus, and the act of going to his knees is an act of submission and a belief in who God is and who Jesus is. Jesus responds, verse 18, and says, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. And then he answers the question. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He's saying, Just do what you know is is right. Verse 20, the teacher, teacher, he declares all these things I've kept since I was a boy. He says, look, I've been good. I've done everything that I'm supposed to and really probably hasn't, right? He's made mistakes and he's gone against these things, but he says in his heart, I've kept them all. And Jesus looks at him and loved him. This is key, this is a very clear picture of who God is. And through Jesus, as Jesus sees this man and knows what he's about to tell this man, he says, he sees him and he loves him. He says, one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. I I see this both ways. Uh, I ultimately think this was not necessarily about money as it was what made this guy happy. Maybe it was about money. I, I don't know. But I, I think ultimately it was about this guy's heart and what he was holding on to. Uh, I, I want to inherit eternal life. How do, how do I do that? Well, follow the commandments. I've done all that. But there was still something missing for this guy. That's why he's there. And Jesus looks at him. He loves him. He knows him and says, there's something else. There's something that you have put your happiness It is your false, God. It is what you are holding tightly to. And he says, go get rid of it. Go get get rid of it and then come and follow me. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What made him happy now has turned into sadness. In these moments, he's thinking, "Man, I've I've done everything I was supposed to. I'm worshiping the right one. I I, I'm I'm doing it." Jesus looks at him and says, "Man, there's something else that's making you happy. There's something that you're relying completely on. But if you let go of that, then you could ultimately come and follow me." And it makes this man sad. See, what made him happy and what was best were in direct competition. In direct competition. And it's in this moment that Jesus says if you really want to experience something, get rid of all that stuff. See, we, we've talked about this a lot, and I I, I care a lot about this. Um, there is this idea, it's it's called the prosperity gospel, and we've talked about this. And and in this series, I feel like this has been one of those things that we've talked about often. And the prosperity gospel basically is this religious. Idea That that this belief, um, that we'll have this financial blessing, that we'll have health and and wealth, uh, that everything will go right. If I just believe enough, if my faith is strong enough, if I speak things into existence, if I give money to the right religious causes, then these things will come true for me. See, the prosperity gospel views our relationship with God as a contract, right? I have my responsibility, and if I do my responsibility, then God will do his. There is some truth in that, but not when it comes to health and wealth and getting everything you want. A few years ago when I was on sabbatical, this extended break, uh, I attended a local church in St. Louis. Uh, It's one of our larger churches And it was in this service, the pastor stood and made statements about cancer. About not having cancer if you simply have enough faith. And this was just one of many statements he made. At one point, I laughed out loud because I was so uncomfortable. But I was so uncomfortable thinking, is he really saying this? And that the dangerous thing is that the place is full of people who are believing that they're believing it, that, that, that God is simply going to do his part when we do our part. And the key to all of that is believing that he just simply wants us to be happy. But the truth is that our faith in him, our belief in him, our trust in him, is not determined by whether or not we get everything that we want and whether or not he makes us happy. See, our, our faith in him is believing in who God is. It's believing the story of God to be True, and that we've put our trust in him. That's what we cling to. Not this idea of that God is going to give us things in return. And so if you're new to church, if you're new to this idea of faith, the hope we have is this belief and trust that we believe God is who he says he is, that he's good, that he's loving, that he's made a way for us, that he's forgiving us of our sins. That is what we hold tight to. That is what we believe, and that is the hope that we have. And in the midst of experiencing that, things may still go really bad for you. People are still going to get hurt. Just as we see, and I go to a funeral. This little girl was just baptized in June. Uh, Mom, strong faith, and loses her only child. You, You cannot, you cannot tell me. That it was this lady's fault that if she would have just had more faith that this young girl has done something wrong bad things happen and we're going to look at that next week but but the hope is that we will cling to what we know to be true and to be good and so i want to give you three quick truths these three things that god doesn't want us to be happy when two of those and then what he really wants for us uh the first one we've touched on these a little bit i just want to put some language to it Uh, The first one is when what makes us happy is wrong or unwise. Uh, God does not want you to be happy when it's doing something that's wrong or unwise. As I sit with people in marriage counseling and and we have these conversations, and one of the things I often hear is, well, they just don't make me happy anymore. They just don't make me happy anymore. And this next Saturday, I get to participate in uh, a couple's uh, renewal vows that I sat with them, they've been married for 20 years, we talked about it's been difficult, but they have kept the promise to each other. Through the difficult times, they had committed to staying true to one another. And so just because it might make you happy to walk away, doesn't mean it is right or wise. So we cannot do those things simply because they make us happy when we know they are wrong. Or, unwise. or if you have a job and it just doesn't make you happy, it's not very wise to quit that job without another job lined up. No matter how unhappy that you are, maybe if it's extreme, maybe it's best if you get out, if there's some abuse that's taking place, but if it's just simply, eh, I don't really like the job. It's probably not wise or what is right, but just because it makes you happy doesn't mean you make that decision. Or dating my young people, as you date my, my, my friends who are single, uh, you don't just date someone because you think it might make you happy just because you want someone. If the guy's a jerk and pressuring you into things, if the girl's a whatever, it doesn't mean that you do that just because it makes you happy. It's not right or wise. And so maybe in the moment, it feels like it will make you happy. But in the long term, is it is it right? Is it wrong? Is it wise or See, God isn't simply interested in your happiness when you go and do things that are wrong or unwise. In the end, those things usually just cause us to grieve. We think they will make us happy. But in the end, they usually just cause us to grieve. Where he's not interested in our happiness, number two, when what makes us happy is based simply on the things of this world. He's not concerned in what makes us happy when it's based simply on the things of this world. You know and I know that our happiness is always based on our happenings. Whatever happens usually determines our level of happiness. But happenings always change. People change. Things change. And if we're determined that our happiness will be simply on the things of this world, we will ultimately never really be happy. Our stuff will make us never ultimately happy. And so what happens if you lose it all? What happens if it's taken away from you? If it is your only happiness, if it is your false God, then you are lost. It's the rich young ruler. He thought he was good, and then the one thing was pointed out that was the key to keeping him from experiencing who God was. And when asked to take a, take a look at it, his earthly treasure, he goes away sad. First uh, John two fifteen through 17 says this, says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What I think the writer of this is saying Is when you give yourself completely to things if you love the things of this world then you really have never understood the love of the father because the love of the father is always greater than anything you can you can get in your hands always the things you can touch the things you can buy will never be as good as the love of the father so would you know that Would you know the love of God and understand that God is not after your happiness when it's based simply on the things of this world, just accumulating more. And then the third thing, God wants more for you than to simply be happy. Two things, I think he wants us to be holy. Now, that's kind of a big church word that maybe doesn't always make sense, but this is in a, in a simple way. It just means set apart, to be like Jesus, to be totally surrendered to the will or the ways of God, that that is what we pursue I don't know if you've ever read the Psalms. I don't know if that's uh, been a part of your reading or if you uh, have really ever read much of the Bible, but the Psalms are all of these prayers, uh, a lot written by a guy named David and these, uh, some of them lamenting and, and calling out to God, you know, how how long, oh God, will you forsake me? And and there's these times where David has made some really poor choices and he goes and he asks God to intervene, but the very beginning of Psalms, the very first Psalm, Psalm Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The writer of this is saying the most important thing is that we delight in the law of God, the ways of God. Sometimes we think the ways of God or the laws of God are meant to hinder us, that that we could not find happiness in those things. But I want to argue that if we really experience holiness, the idea of being set apart, of following God, then you will experience true happiness. It's when we fully understand the ways of God are way better than the ways of God. Of the world. So I don't think God's just after your happiness, but after your holiness or being holy. And then I think He wants you to be blessed. Blessed. This is more than happy. This is more than happy. Uh, In the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, we'll wrap up here. In Matthew 5, you have what's called the Beatitudes. Um, And it's the only sermon really that we see Jesus preaching. And in the very beginning, we have these blessed are, blessed are. This is not a list of things that you should attempt to be, right? I think sometimes it's taken wrong. And and so we think what Jesus was saying is, okay, this is like a, uh, a list and there's check boxes, and we have to check the box when we fulfill those things. But this is giving hope to people that are often hopeless. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Is spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed more than happy are those who are kind of at the end of their rope spiritually, when they don't always understand and they doubt and they're empty. Blessed are those people because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's available to them. Blessed more than happy are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed more than happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. Blessed more than happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. More than happy are those who will be Persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, I think God is after way more than our happiness because happiness is determined by happenings. What Jesus is saying is blessed because I am with you. I will see you through those things. It is based on who God is and not what is happening around us. These early disciples, the early followers of Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but things did not go well for them. Uh, Many of them also die the same death that Jesus dies by dying on a cross. Uh, Peter, who writes a lot of the the scriptures that we read, actually is crucified up. This is historical. This is what they say and think happened to these men. Actually was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. Uh, Several beheaded. Things did not go well for these early followers of Jesus. Who I believe you are sitting here today because of their faith. Their desire to say it's not about my own happiness, that I'm willing to be persecuted to spread the good news that they had experienced. Things did not go well for these men, but blessed are they. Blessed are they because they truly know who God is. See, to be blessed doesn't mean that you won't face trials or sufferings or unanswered prayers. Blessed is based on knowing God and is knowing that God is with us and for us. So when this happens, there's two things you experience this unexplainable peace. An unexplainable peace. When things go wrong, you experience it. It says the peace in Philippians 4, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can't explain it, but when things are going wrong and you don't get the right answers, there is still this peace that things will be okay, whether here or in eternity. You have this unexplained joy. Joy, not happiness. A joy that we can't even explain. So while happiness is based on happenings and is usually triggered by things outside of us, by people or things, joy comes from the strength we find in who God is. It's what he's promised us, no matter what's happening around us. It doesn't mean that you don't have a bad day. Joy doesn't mean you don't tell others that you're worried you're unsure, but deep in your soul somewhere, you know, you know, you are blessed because of who God is and how he has been with you. So let's go back to the first scripture as we uh, finish. Greg can come up and um, we'll finish with our our song. I, I, I read just half of that scripture. So I stopped halfway through and gave you half the truth. And it says this, may all who are godly be happy. And that's where I stopped. But may all who are godly be happy in the lord and crown him our holy god to crown him to give glory to who he is to recognize how good he is so may you be happy may you be blessed may you experience peace and joy that not because of your happenings or what you are doing or not doing but because of who god is i believe god is after way more than simply your happiness and i pray that today for some of you who have never understood that or accepted that, there, there is a loving God who knows you, who knows what you've been through, what you're going through, and what you will go through. Cares deeply for you. So we want nothing more than for you to put your faith in him, to believe in him, and to trust in him. If that's you today, that's a conversation you have with God and say, look, I've been, put my happiness in my happenings. Things are not going well. I'm tired of treating you like a cosmic vending machine. And today, I want to say, no matter what happens, I have put my trust in you. Would you stand as I pray in this great, leads us in this last song. God, thanks for this morning. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a good father who delights when good things happen in our lives. But Lord, would we not go after those things that are wrong or unwise? Would we not simply long after just earthly treasure and possessions? that we'd be okay to walk away from everything and that would be okay. God, thank you for uh, helping us to see that we are more than happy, that we are blessed because of who you are. May you help us to experience a peace and a joy that doesn't make sense to those who don't know you. A peace when things are out of control, a joy when things don't go how we want them to. God, would you help us to see that? And I pray for many of my friends here today who would maybe today say they want to see you for who you are, that you are good no matter what, that they would put their trust in you today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.